0: to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. Hi everyone and welcome. I'm absolutely thrilled this morning to have the lovely John T. Evans with me. Hi, John T.
1: Hello, how are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, I'm sure, Jonty, you don't really need any introduction, but but anyone who is wondering who this man is, uh, who has obviously been under a stone for a very long time, um, so a little bit about you. So, obviously, you were at the Rio 2016 Olympics and got individual ninth, I believe, team eight. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I suppose, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, Then in 2017, the next kind of part of your famous stories was that you crowdfunded to be able to secure your horse art. So, I mean, that was no mean feat in itself. And then uh, most people obviously are aware that in June 2018, you did indeed have a fall, uh, which put you in a coma. And then you've come back from that and you're riding again. So um, I'd love to hear more about your story, Jonty. But the first thing I'd really like to know is what is it that means that you love horses so much and you're working with them? And, you know, clearly from a young age, this was something that was important to you. So tell us about you and horses.
1: Um, I'm not convinced it's a choice. Um, To my mind, it was kind of a lifestyle, if you like. And I grew up and um, I was very, that was very much my life um, and the, the life I led. Um, horses were involved, ponies and so on. We had Rosie and Posey, and Rosie would buck you off and Posey would rear you off. Uh, They were Welsh mountain ponies, um, and they're great fun. (laughs) Um, And um, I suppose, I don't know, it's quite interesting because obviously with the the whole accident and so on, uh, it's been very i've been very asked about how it would be how it was to be back around the horses and um coming out of the hospital and being um with the horses again was huge i can't i can't begin to put it into words really um it was probably uh, the biggest thing to, to me it made my life that and my children uh that were they were the two things that made my life complete um and being able to ride again um and being able to sit back on a horse was absolutely massive um my kids came and visited me in hospital when i came back to liverpool uh, obviously i was in ireland to begin with and when I was in Liverpool, but uh, the, the kids coming in was equally huge. They ran in, and that was equally huge. There were those were the two biggest things: being background horses, and having kids involved again. Um, they that was huge, really.
0: So obviously, they've always been a part of your life. What is it, though, that meant that you kept them a part of your life? Because growing up with them doesn't necessarily mean they stay that way. So what is it about horses that you love so much? And about eventing, in fact, because you could have chosen many different parts.
1: Um, I think probably... Um, I, I, I actually deferred for a year uh, from going to university. And the idea was I was going to go. I never actually went. Um, And I think probably, uh, it's difficult to say really it it kind of, it was in me, it was what I did. And it took me a while to realize that once I'd realized that it was kind of allowed to uh, flourish if you like, or grow. Um, and that was probably, uh, I don't know, being around them is, is, is strange. It's, it's like I've referred to art quite a lot about it as he is my best friend. And actually, I don't want to. I don't want to take away from art, but horses are probably my best friend. Um, and my time with the horses, on the horses, is huge to me. It gives me time in my head, clear everything out, um, sort of feel comfortable again, and feel at one with them. That's pretty much it, really.
0: amazing and I think many of us watching this right now completely share that that there's just something magical about horses and the way they are and the fact that they allow us to sit on their backs and tell them what to do and you know don't try and kill us most of the time
1: (laughs) it's funny because um probably um I'm more aware of it now but I'm very aware of um People who may have issues who then can still ride and do ride. And, um, you know, there are people who maybe have got disabilities and they ride um, and issues uh, with their health and so on. They still ride. Um, And that, like you said, they allow us to ride them, allow us to sit on them and be with them. And that, I think, is probably uh, the biggest thing in terms of, they are with us uh and that to me it, that to me and the people i see and so on is a, is a huge thing being able to have that person with you that horse with you on a level um it really gives you a chance to kind of just be yourself
0: so with that in mind then what what was it that inspired you to be an inventor um rather than someone who just you know Happy hacks,
1: or I I I love the dressage. I love the dressage. (laughs) Um, no, it is cross country without a doubt. Um, being able to ride cross country and being able to uh cover the country, jump the fences that were there, and the thrill of the whole thing that's without doubt that's what kind of started the ball rolling, as it were. Um, it's probably fair to say now it's probably the whole thing um or not now but very quickly after then it became the whole thing and um you know the ability to ride flat work and cross country well and jumping show jumping um you know the ability to ride those three things well is probably what drives me um being able to um being able to reach a standard that you are happy with that's a big thing for me it's not so much winning a, an event or although that's very good obviously um or achieving something within eventing it's something that you are happy with if i'm happy with the way i have ridden that's okay with me um and i need to feel like at the moment for example i want to feel happy with what i do um and that's probably one of the th- big things that drives me at the moment um, because I want to feel content and I want to feel like what I've done is good and I think that's probably the the big thing with eventing right from the beginning from the get-go as it were um, I wanted to feel like I could be happy with what I've done absolutely love that
0: and that's um I call it winning without winning that's what right. I try and get everyone to feel that it you might not have got the rosette or the placing or the podium or the medal or whatever it was but if you are really happy with your performance and you feel like you've won then surely that's what it's all about isn't it
1: exactly surely medals or uh, much of metal lovely uh medals or rosettes or winning things surely that is just the icing on the cake as it were
0: yeah, absolutely. And I say, you know, that's that's the cherry on the top. And if, if you've got the cake, then you're happy. And, and it's all about working out the ingredients to get that cake. So what would you say have been your ingredients then involved in, you know, you say, I, I just want to be happy. I want to be better at what I do. I want to be enjoying it. What what have been the things that you've found have, have helped you achieve that sort of success along the way?
1: Um, I have a really irritating, consuming, all-consuming um desire to know what drives what and why it does why it does what it why it does what it does I beg your pardon um so you know stupid little things like i want to know if the horse's shoe is on right i want to know if his foot is balanced um little things i want to know if its feed is right i want to know all the details there's a very famous quote um which i've forgotten now um so it's not that famous um a guy called dave brailsford who was team boss of sky cycling and he says something about margins and then making up the whole page and actually if you focus on the margins that is what uh, i think is going to be what uh achieves the whole as it were
0: yeah, absolutely. So that 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 concept of incremental gain, isn't it? The the little bits, the sum of the small parts that add up to the big. And so so you know, people people will look at you and go, yeah, but you you achieved the level that you achieved. You you got to you know that whether or not you had placings or medals, it's relevant. You were at top of your game. You were riding in the Olympics. So that's kind of like that's where it, it goes, isn't it? And so if you were people saying well what inspired you to get to that level because it's not exactly an easy journey and it certainly doesn't take that path of success so to get to Rio what were some of the things that you had to overcome or you know change particularly from a mindset perspective even to get to that point and and you know the challenges that you had what were they and and how did you overcome them
1: my god that's a big question Um, um, I suppose uh one of the biggest things which probably is very relevant to a lot of people um the biggest thing possibly that i have to overcome was my belief um and um believing that i could be that person at olympic games or i could be that person at badminton or that person of wherever um So, for example, I won the class, I won the CIC CIC three-star belt in the Grantham Cup. I think it's now a Um, four-star. It's not not there anymore, but uh, um, I won that. And to win that, what to actually come first, was um, something I wasn't sure I had ever believed I could do. And I would say that... I had that journey together with art. I was very lucky to have an amazing horse and I had some lovely horses as well uh, coming up behind him. And probably that belief is the biggest thing that's kind of, should I be here? Um, You know, and being able to put that out of your head and being able to focus on the things that are going to help. So the things like, you know, the the quality of the canter. And, you know, you don't, you don't extend cancer down the long side of your arena. You do. You you have the canter you want. And so the cancer you want is what you get. And so if you want a really good cancer, a really good quality, and it, um, that's what you aim for and that's what you hopefully get. And so that's what helps you get a good, um, that's what helps you achieve good score and so you have a good performance. But having that belief in yourself to do that um it's huge i had the belief in the horse so i've no doubt about that i just needed the belief in me
0: that is so often the case especially when we're doing well we accredit it to the horse and when we're doing badly we credit it to ourselves and it's like it's a partnership regardless both ways it goes so the thing is you say oh you know I, I needed the belief and it's easy to have the belief once you've got there and you've done it you know that that's great but how do you then how did you build that belief along the way and not give up that that when times were hard perhaps you couldn't and i know you said you know, incremental gains and things like that and focusing what you can control and the the quality of what you're doing at that time. But what about, you know, you must have been to competitions and maybe not done so well or uh, had times when you're questioning it or times when things like finances might have been difficult or particularly when you had to fund art and things like that, you know, how it, but even way before that point, what because it takes an awful lot to get to Olympic level. It doesn't just happen overnight, and and there's an awful lot of things you have to give up along the way as well. What what would be the kind of things that you've overcome in that respect?
1: When I was at school, when I was about fifteen, only last week, <laughs> um, um, a long time ago, um, I had a school headmaster who gave a sermon. And he came in and walked up the lectern and he said he walked in and everyone looked at him as they do and he said never and then there was a pause and everyone kind of waited and waited anyway his sermon was about to never give up and he delivered it so amazingly um which he was very good at but the point being never give up um now i wonder if that was already in me anyway um but that certainly reinforced it and um never giving up is um nearly a weakness now is so strong um i couldn't give up uh because it just isn't what i do um and i i i understand that people have to try and find that within them and i i almost feel sorry for them because to find that within me is easy it's always there um and so the thing like you said about things that uh i've had to maybe overcome or um or things that have been difficult and so on um that i've always had that belief that i i would I said on, I was interviewed for BBC, uh, the great North run by BBC Sport, And they said, uh, what tell us a bit about what it was like having the dream to be an inventor. And I, I replied with, it was never a dream. Um, it was something I was just going to do. Um, and, um, I think if that's within you so strong, then these, these things, like you've said, like, obviously you come across, you have a bad day, you have horses that aren't quite as good. And I've had lots of horses that aren't good enough. Don't worry. Um, everyone has those, um, and lots of horses that maybe butt me off when they shouldn't have done. Um, um, and so on and good horses who've let me down, uh, and I've let them down, Um, you know, so you kind of, as you say, it's a team, it's a a partnership and you have to overcome these things together. Um, I think uh, I'm not the best at it, but the big thing is to not let yourself brood on it. Uh, I do brood on it. Um, I possibly brood on it for a day or so um, and give myself absolute torturous hell which lots of people say I shouldn't, um, but I nearly always come out of it. Oh, I do always come out of it. And, um, when I come out of it, I come out of it with a kind of re- renewed, um, enthusiasm or determination, maybe.
0: And so when you're breeding, and I would say, actually, to be fair, it's all very well saying don't brood, but actually that's just human. And that's what we are coming out of it in a day. is quite good going, really, to be honest. That's that's quite impressive. That's quite a quick bounce back. So, you know, you've learned to do that. And actually, it's actually a good thing, because what you are doing is processing emotion. And actually, that's really important. It's not about bottling it up and not admitting it's there. It's like going, oh, this is all terrible and crap and pants or whatever it is. And actually, I'm gonna bounce back now, that's it. You know, so what's the decision point that you normally make? Cause there's nearly always a decision point to now change it around. At what point do you come out of brooding and get back into something more positive, more useful, more productive?
1: It's nearly always because something needs doing. So for example, um, it might've been in the past, it might've been because I need to go to an event or I need to jump a horse or I need to ride it on the flat or whatever. Um, it's nearly always because something needs doing, and it's that thing that kicks, um, kind of kicks me in the arse, and said "Come on, get on with it." Um, or I, I go and ride a horse, for example, in the school, and I, I'm feeling a bit down. I go around the horse, and the horse goes particularly well, and that thing is the key to making me think, "Crikey, it's not so bad. Let's go on with this." Um, and i think that in that respect that's a reference if you like to horses that have been my best friend because they bought me out of a hell of a lot
0: and so speaking of a horse that brought you out of a hell of a lot tell us about art then what is it that makes that partnership so special that you went to the end of the earth to keep him as part of your your life
1: um i'm not emotional at all um but i could cry about art um um How do I how do I put it across? Um Art is um And i'm i'm sure it's not actually art. Um, i'm sure it's actually the bond that art and I have that's the thing Not actually the horse. Um, it's probably the bond he and I have um so I remember sitting at my kitchen table um <laughs> as the. The decision had been made to sell him after the Olympics. And obviously, I was pretty hurt by this and pretty cut up about it. Um, and I I couldn't really. I tried every avenue, if you like. I've tried private funding. I've tried all sorts of things to try and start to raise money to buy him. And I sat there and I thought. There's no way he's going up that drive in someone else's lorry unless I've tried everything. And the last thing I was aware of was crowdfunding. Uh, I'd been uh, out for a drink with a friend um, who's called Koj, And Kodge ran a restaurant in Cheltenham. And Koj had been, uh, it's called Andrew Kajima, And Koj was second at MasterChef in, I can't remember which year. Um, and so he came second and then he crowdfunded to raise money to run the restaurant um and he was successful obviously in a running, very successful restaurant um is a very good cook <laughs> by the way um but he raised fifty thousand pounds um and i thought well i'm gonna have a go i had to raise a lot more than that um yeah that's that's probably how i did it or how i started
0: and so what was it that kept you because you had to raise 500 i think thousand pounds wasn't it for art uh what was it that kept you going because it's not like you click fingers and the money starts coming in that would have been quite some process to go through and, and some challenges even in that
1: it was without doubt and i've said this several times and there's been several instances of it it was the people or uh, arts family whatever you would like to call them the people involved it was them that kept me going because to begin with we, we launched it and i was well aware I, I actually didn't think it would work i thought there's no way this will work i can't raise this much money um and i kind of went into it thinking well i've got to try everything because i've, I've literally got to I, I can't watch him go that and drive um and so i thought i'll have a go and literally as we launched it i can't remember the figures but i think 60 or seventy thousand pounds was raised in the first two days and that was it i was hooked because i thought I, this was going to drag me along and i got dragged along white um and it was the momentum that people created by donating and You know, the smallest donation I think we had was 50p and every single penny counted.
0: And again, that's just such a perfect example, isn't it? Of how it's the little things that add up to the big and, and, you know, just concentrating on the little things and pushing those and tweaking those and those adding up is how you get there. It's not, there wasn't, someone didn't just dump half a million into your bank account and say, there you go, you can have art. That would be lovely, I'm sure. Um, And so, you know, one of the things that I come across an awful lot with aspiring eventers, particularly eventing, um, although in any area of courses they are expensive, is that people often feel that they're not going to achieve their goals or their dreams or their aspirations because they're not from a, a family with money or, you know, they don't have a shed load of it themselves or they haven't got a financial backer in that respect or anything. Um, and so finding the money to get good horsepower can be, can be really quite difficult. I and mean, as, as you said yourself, you know, it's not like you get a youngster and you know, it's gonna, gonna go there or what have you. How have you navigated that side of things and kind of kept going? Because not everyone can crowdfund half a million pound horse. Like that was that, I think you're the only one that might've done that actually, John T, to be fair, how, um, have, how have you done that? What, what inspiration can you give to others that are wanting to give up because of something like finances?
1: Well, um, when I was very young, I uh, rode lots of different horses. And um, then I went, I ultimately ended up working for Andrew Nicholson. um, And uh, I learned a good deal of stickability, hopefully, um, or reasonable amount. Um, And so when I started on my own, uh, it was very much a case of, I, I would ride anything. Um, now, I'm not sure that that's the right approach, but it does give you a pretty endless supply of horses. So, you know, the first two or three horses I had, um, I think that there was one, I remember her little mare, and she wasn't that big, 16 hands, I think, um, and she was scared of cows. So she literally used to go into the field and bolt. Um, and so the owner had had enough, um, so, you know, she turned up, um, so I had to navigate her. Didn't go hacking in the fields of cows. Um, um, and then there was another one. I had a racehorse and he used to buck me off, uh, fairly regularly or try to, and, you know, things like that. So I have grown up riding a lot of different horses. Um, now, although. There would be um, a cutoff zone for that, if you like, in that you need to ride uh, better quality horses. And so the ones being naughty, if at the bottom of the scale, if you like, might not be the better quality horses, Um, but it's definitely give me a kind of mentality that everything deserves a chance. And quite often I've ridden a horse and it's been really naughty for its owner and so on and really badly behaved and actually it's, it's come quite good. Um, one horse in the early days was a horse called miss olive Oil. Um, you know, she was, went to advanced and she literally wouldn't go over a pole on the ground when she first came. Um, so that kind of approach is something that, I don't see much of now. Um people young people, for example, tend to think that they can often give the impression that they think they are owed things. And I think that you've got to prove it. You've got to prove that um you're able, capable, um, um, and kind of earn it. Um and then you get into the position like I did. I was lucky. I had some amazing owners who bought some fabulous horses. And I was got into that position probably though through hard work. You know, I'd had the naughty horses first, I'd I'd done my apprenticeship, if you like, I'd built up the owners, I'd built up, you know, the relationships, and so then it could it could flourish as it were, and we could buy better horses.
0: So again, it's, you know, put in, put in the work, put in the determination and it and it shows and it pays off. So, yeah. I mean, I know you do some training and things now and uh, with people, what, what kind of people are the ones that you really love to train them with kind of that in mind? What are the sort of the mindset of your favorite, like clients to train or people, or even horses to train actually, I suppose.
1: Um, well, as far as horses go, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, actually. Um, you might buy particularly with a benting, you might buy a lovely young horse it might be well bred it might show a good jump it might move very well you might buy it and you might think right great i've got a really good horse here and so you take it home and i i would say a year or even a year and a half later you'll find out how its brain is and for a venting that's going to be huge because it has to have the ability to take the pressure, to take being told what to do, what not to do, um, and so that will be a huge part of uh, finding out whether that horse has got the brain to cope with it. Um, I've often said about art and several of the good horses I've had um, that their brain is everything for eventing, um, because what they will cope with is is a is a big part of what how they think um i'd say in terms of riders that i'd love to train um the same applies really um so it's absolutely lovely when you go and teach somebody and they have a really um good brain in terms of they can work out what you are after um but they do it in a calm way that's lovely um, absolutely lovely in terms of teaching i, I love the teaching I just love um, being able to show someone something and for them maybe to work it out uh, and hopefully with their horse work out the issue. And they come forward and they think, and you can see the light bulb moment. And it might be something tiny. It doesn't have to be, you know, something half past down the center line or whatever, or shoulder in the center line or, you know, jumping a big fence. It doesn't have to be that. It might be really, really simple. Um, and just that light bulb moment is what you, what I do it for, what I crave.
0: And so obviously helping people create those light bulb moments or indeed helping horses create those light bulb moments is, is your part that you play in the team that you have. What what would you say are the key elements of the support team you have around you like up to Olympic and up to today as well? And, and has that actually changed at all or is that still fundamentally the same?
1: oh another big question <laughs> um in terms of competition um i think that um you've got to try and look at your weaknesses if you like or your strengths and so you might look at you and the horse as a whole and then you take each thing and write it down and then there may be weaker areas and then be stronger areas and so you need to focus on those weaker areas. You need to build them up until the same level as the stronger areas. Uh, so it might be dressage, or it might be share jumping, or it might be cross country, or it might be uh, your mental approach, for example. Um, and so um, having good access to a psychologist uh, to help your sports psychologist, maybe. Um, uh, I, I can't tell you the impact uh, a lady called Nee Fitzpatrick had when i was at the olympic games the impact she had in the run-up and during the impact uh, during the olympic games sorry and afterwards and since she has been amazingly supportive Um and to get that kind of support is something you can nearly feel yourself get stronger and bigger because of it um you know for example it's not a great Uh, analogy but i walked the olympic games i walked the show jumping track on the phone tour and i could feel myself i felt that i became more important as i walked around it now of course you don't it doesn't matter but what matters is how you feel and if you can control that and strengthen it you are effectively on top of the world
0: so uh that sounds great then so what you're saying is that psychology is is as key important to this as trainers and other people and how much do you think people are starting to realize that now because I mean certainly I've noticed it obviously the business has grown over the years but how much do you think people are now aware that psychology and mindset is actually sometimes the real key missing element that people aren't focused on compared to you know the bodies and welfare and training and all of that kind of side of things that traditionally was the focus in sport
1: well, exactly. And particularly in the horse sport, traditionally, it's that focus. It's the focus is on a dressage trainer or a nutritionist or whatever, because you can't, you can't, um, do the job if you don't do a dressage test or you can't do the job if you don't feed your horse properly, um, and so on. Um, so I think that I don't know how much I don't, it's difficult to quantify how much people are realizing, but, um, it's um, I can't say how big a part of it it is. It's at least equal, and possibly bigger because it's been in the uh, doldrums, if you like, for a while, and so it needs to be bigger to make up ground. It's like the like we we're saying, writing the topics down. So you might have mental health on your list, or you know, mental approach, mental um, mindset. Um, now, if that is low. Um, then you've got to build it back up. And so for a while, it might have to be bigger, might have to be more focused, more concentration on it and make it bigger and make it stronger. And that can be the thing that you focus on. And then when you get to even, then you're probably in a reasonable place.
0: Super, thank you. And a perfect chance to plug my planner and my journal there, which makes you sit down and write all these things down and it makes you compare the stuff and it makes you do a skills analysis, which of course can include mental skills as well okay so we've talked about a lot about your mindset and your mental skills and things like that um let's now touch on you know the the fall not not the not the ins and outs of it itself it happened we know that but what about the things that you've had to do and think and overcome since then and and you know your focus since since that point in time
1: oh another massive question (laughs) Um, um um it's been very uh the intervening time, so the time between now and the accident uh, has been very changeable um now that may well be because of healing as it were um healing and improvement has got to occur and got to take time is going to take time um the one thing i've been really aware of is how long it takes um alice fox Blitz said to me it's a five-year journey um and i'm not at three years yet um um so you know and obviously Williams being been amazing at badminton and so on and riding amazingly now um so to achieve those things It has been um a lot of people have said to me as you've said earlier, and um, it's about the small things and so being able to tr- cross those small things off your list and One day because you've crossed them all off you achieve a big thing Um and That is probably um, the best feeling. Um, So, being able to counter art round, I particularly remember Barbary, um, pre novice, um, being able to counter round on art, and he jumped double clear, and it was only a pre novice, uh, B1 and 100, sorry. Um, Now, being able to do that, A lot of people would say that um, because of the level I've competed at before, how could you do that? Or how could you uh, get something from that? But being able to achieve that and for things to, although I'm well aware in my body, for example, I know things aren't right yet a long way from it um i know i'm on the right route um or the right road and being able to feel that is what uh keeps me going um and makes me um fulfills my desire for determination for example um so recently um we've i've moved to a new new yard um and so we, we, we are, we've had a school, we've got school being built now and nearly finished, um, and a stables being redone. And those things have taken, uh, charge of my thought process, if you like. Um, and, um, I've got a couple of lovely young horses, um, and I've got Art and Joey who are older, um, and so you know being able to compete them and go out on them uh jumping shows for example when we when we could do them um was um is a huge part of it and it's huge a huge feeling um you know jumping Joey round at summer house for example i particularly remember that um and you jump around really well um now you know it, it, it's just that kind of thing that gives you the spur to go on to carrying
0: So that sounds to me like as well that you were finding something every day to kind of get keep you going because there must have been days when you thought this is quite difficult or you know it'd be a lot easier actually if I just didn't do this or there was there was a that glimmer of maybe I maybe I should take it now to retire or what have you. What is it that you no doubt did every day or almost every day that just kept you chipping away and and keeping going?
1: I went to see art. Um, and without doubt, he's been the biggest single thing. Um, I I could also say um, my girlfriend Michelle has been huge in all this um, and helped me enormously. Um, but without doubt, um, and my kids as well, um, knowing they're there, um, but the one thing i did every day was probably go and see art
0: and so talking about michelle and your kids and your kind of family support side of things one of the questions that did get asked by someone um who sadly can't be watching it live but wanted me to ask you was that you know something happened to her father that was quite traumatic and that that had a real impact on her and and often what's not talked about actually is the impact of illness or trauma and things like that on the people closest to the person suffering it we often concentrate on the sufferer themselves um but what actually was the impact on your family and, and how did they go about getting the support and coping to be able to help you then through but to help themselves as well is there anything that they did or had
1: well um there's quite a few people to mention now um because my mom and my sister were huge um my mom came to ireland and I was in the coma, and she sat by my bed every day, all day. Um, stayed with a, a lovely guy called Kieran Glynn and his wife, Emily. Um, and so the impact on her must have been huge. Um, the impact on my kids was huge. Uh, they took it slightly differently. Um, but nonetheless, it was huge. Um, and um, we actually... Uh, looked for some a little bit of emotional support uh, or help them um because as you say uh, people people forget that when i woke up from the coma it's not like a light switch by the way but when i woke up to me it was like yesterday it was like i'd just been at tats so everyone else everyone else had, had to live through it so everyone else had to live through six and a half weeks of me being on the brink and, um, I had just woken up and as far as I could see, I was going riding, I couldn't understand it. Um, so it was almost, if you like the, that time during the coma was easier on me than it was on everyone else. Um, and I think that people like my mum, my sister, uh, my kids—they couldn't cope without support. You know, my sister's uh, as a half Stuart was huge, uh, being there. And you know, he helped, when I came back to Liverpool, for example, he helped me get going in Singapore, Um and little things like that. Um, as far as support for them goes, um, I'm not really sure um apart from the children having a little bit of emotional support um or help um i'm not sure quite wh- whether they particularly got help or whether they just had supported other halves as it were um to help them through it um, um i know i've tried to listen as much as i can but uh, that hasn't been as good as it should be by any means
0: so it's interesting that you said actually that um, coming out of a coma isn't like a light switch like they show in the movies, you know, suddenly you're awake and that's it. But, um, but it, that was really interesting then that actually, of course, six and a half weeks had passed and you hadn't been conscious. So you you were still back at that point of when you got knocked unconscious. And so what was it then that, that meant that clearly you must have woken up and sort of realized at that point then that like life wasn't going to be the same again and you had people saying so what what was it that that meant that you kind of got through that and got you know how did you how how did you navigate that process of realization and then recovery
1: well the thing is that the realization is amazingly gradual so um you realize gradually over a period of I don't know, months um, that you are not where you were. um, And you're going to have to, you then start to realize, uh, once you realize that, you then, excuse me, start to think about what it is necessary, is going to be necessary for you to uh, get back to where you were. Um, But that is equally gradual. Um, And so I would say that the process of realizing what you would need to do to to get back to where you want to be uh would be amazingly uh lengthy um and even now i still i still i still kind of find myself riding a horse and i think crikey if i do that this will happen um and it's um it's interesting, actually, uh, I digress a bit, but um, William has said one, two times, you've got to relearn everything. I don't agree. I don't think you have to relearn things. I think you have to be woken up to the fact that they exist. Um, and sometimes you don't realize they're, there. Uh, you know, so it might be something to do with your riding or something to do with your walking or something to do with, you know, what you do. The way you move, or whatever, um, and uh, you realize that is there. Um, so, I, uh, an analogy, I beg your pardon, um, is, would be that recently I've been sent by a lead called Maeve Sheridan um, some exercises and, um, so the one set of exercises is a balance exercise and ultimately it's meant that my balance has become more into the front of my foot and so i've been told this before um i i knew that's where your balance is meant to be your balance ultimately is meant to be towards the front of your foot not the back of your foot but these exercises that's what they it's done and So to be able to achieve that is massive for me and it's made a big difference. Now, the thing is that those things, as I've said, as we've said earlier, sorry, um, those things all add up. And if you can get them all, the balls all in a row, then you're away.
0: So it sounds like in a rather perverse kind of way that actually in having to go back and look at where there might have been, things that weren't correct to begin with you've been able to go back to the foundational level and kind of correct any bricks that were missing or weren't made very well in in the wall of your skills and go back to that conscious competence stage rather than the unconscious competence of you just do stuff you've had to kind of really really think at that level again have you
1: Well, it's funny that you should say that because yogi bryzner gave me a few jumping lessons and yogis obviously um, helped laura and william for example after their injuries and um, Yogi said to me then that awareness is huge awareness is probably greater now than it ever was So, you know maybe you're right
0: what did Yogi mean by awareness? Is I like that? But that's a bit like Yoda.
1: Oh, awareness, of, <laughs> awareness of awareness of what you're doing, or how you're doing it, or what you're, how you're riding, for example, or you know how you ask the horse to gallop, or how you ask the horse to slow down, or whatever you ask. Awareness of what you're doing is much more, much bigger, much greater.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably the concept that's talked about in a great book called The Talent Code, actually, which is a really great book if you're interested. Yeah stuff is um the, the 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 real um mindful practice of something so really delving into the nitty nitty gritty of something and really specifically practicing that thing and that's all about awareness that real like specific practice of something so even getting your balance all over.
1: sorry sorry to interrupt but when you was you were saying about uh i've forgotten the exact terminology used now um conscious Awareness. Conscious, yeah
0: conscious
1: confidence um yeah. so that that is a big thing so I agree with you completely that beforehand I would have been in a place where there was competence but unconscious because you were doing you were you know galloping down alongside or jumping a jump because that's what you did that's what you do um now it's much more conscious much more conscious
0: so you're kind of you're you're back to the mental awareness level actually of a lot of kind of more amateur riders where they're absolutely. constantly aware of what they can't do
1: absolutely absolutely yeah and,
0: and so being back i mean you said you know doing a pre novice or B be 100 uh people go well what's the point in that like you know you, you know you can do that but actually you're now back at that point because that's where you are now and, and one of the key things that i always talk about and the first step in fact in my system is where are you now? You know, clarity on where you are now because it doesn't matter where you used to be or where you want to be. You can only ever be where you are now. What What have you found has really helped you in staying in the where am I now and, and keeping in the, well, it doesn't matter what I used to do or what I want to do again. I'm at this point. How has that really helped you in kind of keeping going forward?
1: Firstly, I can't tell you how hard that's been um, in terms of, um kind of um not not kind of being aware of where you were because that's not going to help um where you are now is what's going to help um sorry you have to say the second part again sorry
0: no, that's absolutely fun. It's it. How have you coped with that? Because actually, it's something I really notice a lot in sort of particular amateur riders, especially ones who maybe did something years ago and then stopped or had a break or changed horses or something happened, and and now they're constantly kind of like beating themselves up or feeling guilty or annoyed about the fact that they're not at that point again. Now they're somewhere else that they consider lesser, even, but that actually to, to pick themselves up and carry on, and and whether or not they get back to that point. Is one of those things so how have you coped with that kind of mentality and that you know you're not you're, you're a, you were doing b100s because that's where you were at how have you coped with that
1: repetition
0: okay that was quick <laughs> would you like to elaborate
1: <laughs> um, well i can't if you if you want a horse for example to learn shouldering. Then you don't do it one day and expect it to know it. Um, you do it one day, a bit, and you do it next day, a bit more, and the third day, and you carry on. And so it becomes a part of its, what it does, it becomes a part of its repertoire, if you like. Um, and without doubt, I've literally just had to find where I am and do what I do and repeat it again and again and again, and not stop.
0: Brilliant, and I think that's a great bit of advice to anyone actually, is to just stay focused on the now, keep going. And then the lovely part is, is that you can reflect back and say, actually, do you know what? I was in a coma, and I had to relearn to walk, and now I am doing B 100, which to some people is still a goal and an aspiration in itself, you know, and to look at that and reframe it, we call it. Think of it.
1: In- I, I wouldn't say I'm very good at that. I, I'm not very good at looking back um, at all, uh, whether it's good or bad. Um, I'm I'm not very good at looking back, um, and I I need to be more aware of what I've done since you know. Um, and take that as a positive, uh, I'm not really good at that. Sorry.
0: <laughs> that doesn't matter, you know, it's okay. We, we've all got strengths and weaknesses and things. Oh, no, I don't I don't. call them weaknesses, I call them opportunities, um, but you know, or areas of learning. So, yeah. you know, and that that's cool, but you know, a lot of people actually, especially people like yourself that are driven really really driven and want to get to the top level and just want to keep well not necessarily even want to get to the top level just want to keep going and keep improving That it's really common to have that real forwards forwards focused and never look back but you know i find with people that the looking back isn't isn't a um a, a looking back from a negative perspective it's more of a just taking stop for a moment and going actually look how far i've come you know yeah. that, that actually can be really helpful especially when you're having a moment where you feel like you're stuck or you're not really getting anywhere it's just to go this is just where i am at the moment and that's fine and yeah. So, so sort of start closing up then, what would you say are the main lessons that you've learned over the years of eventing and what what are your kind of main things that all of these incredible experiences have taught you?
1: Oh dear, another big question. (laughs) Um, um, Without doubt, um, it is something about the horse. and its abilities because you might look at the horse and it might be able to do x y and Z, and then you might find out later it can do you know the rest um and so the ability to see those judge it but stay open to what it can then achieve um can be huge um and um a lot of horses have shown me that they are good and then they are better. Um, and that's not always sometimes that's because I've had to work hard. Um, sometimes I had a horse called Craig warrior who went who was on my first ride at badminton and he went to two European championships as well. And he had an unbelievable, uh, work ethic. He had, um, he would just try and try now that's the kind of thing you can't find out in the sales catalog or in a you know when you buy the horse or whatever um, but that's the kind of thing you find out later and that's that's probably the biggest thing um, that I've probably learned over the years uh, I'd say don't judge a book by its cover but that's dodgy ground as well you want to read the book first
0: Okay. So the analogy is you need to read the book
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and that actually is quite a great analogy in lots of ways. Okay. So future fake facing them, which I know you're very good at what's next, what's your mission, your vision, and what's important to you now?
1: Um, COVID to go away, um, <laughs> um do one. We've had enough of that now. Um, I think the future as I hope to see it, um, would be, um, just, like I've said Kevin goes away and we can gradually get back to a sort of something resembling normality. Um, I'm not, I've not been great at saying what my future plans are because, um, throughout the injury, um, it's been, um, a bit of a downer if you then haven't achieved it. Um, and you have said you were going to, um, um so, I want to enjoy it, I really want to, I really, really, really want to be able to ride around school. I want to be happy with what I've done and I want to enjoy enjoyed it. Well, I know I loved, you know, enjoyed it as long as I'm happy with what I've done. Um, and so that's probably the, um, the key to my future as it were and my horses and that will then, if I'm then enjoying it and those things are going well and I'm achieving those things, then that will lead to me doing competitions and being able to compete successfully.
0: And I think that's actually a a great thing that a lot of people can kind of take as inspiration, which is you don't always have to have what we call a product goal. It doesn't always have to be about a competition or a level or a a move or a a thing. It can be about a feeling. It can be
1: about- I I, I would say, I would say really strongly, it mustn't be about, it almost mustn't be about a goal or a competition level rather. I would say it really must be about how you feel. If you feel safe and you feel happy, then do it. Get on with it. And enjoy it.
0: And so you did mention the C word there, so let's just quickly take a moment. Um you know, we are in lockdowns, we are in various levels all sorts of things, this getting international viewers around the world. So Um, What would you say, though, because you have overcome adversity, things have happened beyond your control, you know, you haven't been able to forge the path that perhaps you'd have probably chosen, I wouldn't have thought. Um, What would you say has helped you in this situation that maybe you could say to others as well to help them in actually in a weird way is a similar situation to you can't do what perhaps you want to be doing because of factors beyond your control?
1: think of the thing you are ultimately aiming towards so be it you know competition where you want to feel happy and everything feels good and then break it down what will it achieve to get there and so it might it might achieve it might need to have a good straight center line you might need to have a good trot and all those little things so break things break it the whole performance down to tiny things and look at those tiny things and make them better. And you can all do that at home. You know, if you've got a list and you're focused on the tiny parts of what you want to achieve, then they're the things you can work on. And
0: there we come again, full circle back to where we began, which is the sum of the small things that adds all up so thank you so so much everyone has said it's been really inspirational thank you so much for sharing your journey thank you for talking about the fact that you know the focus on feelings and things how to break stuff down is there anything else you'd like to add or just sum up with or give to people as a piece of a thought or advice or a passing
1: gift <laughs> um uh, no apart from enjoy yourself and um make sure you can make it happen because you can
0: Awesome. Okay, I've had a really quick question coming through. Are you doing online lessons again during lockdown?
1: Yes, we are. Um, and I've been surprised at how well it worked the first time. Um, absolutely so gobsmacked about how much improvement there was to both rider and horses um, during the, the, the online lessons. So basically, you need isotopes in the having a cup of tea in front of the computer. Um, but you need a pair of Bluetooth earphones and somebody to video. Um, Use your phone probably, and I phone you off Facebook Messenger, for example. Other social platforms do exist. Um, um, I phone you off that, and we connect to the phone, so there is a call going on, and so you've got the earphones on, so you can hear the call, and I can see it. So it works really well, really well. You need good four G as well.
0: Awesome. Yes, that is the only thing you need. You have to be in an area of decent enough signal, really But um, thank you so much. It's been absolutely lovely. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing that and, um, you know, being so inspiring to so many. And actually, thank goodness, it's almost like you'd read the book as well. I love it when someone comes on and they tick off all the things. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, good. There's chapter one, two, three. Excellent. Thank you very much. So it's been an absolute pleasure, John T. And um, if people want to get a hold of you or speak to you or perhaps even book one of these online sessions, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: um they can either phone me or well, my phone number is well i'm not allowed to say that i not to say it
0: hey look you're um, allowed to say it it's just whether or not you want to but if there's a right. way of get hold of you that's perhaps not just giving you a call that's normally better
1: <laughs> my email address is jonty j-o-n-t-y evans all one word at yahoo.co.uk so use that perfect that's probably better you might not get some of the
0: weird phone calls you never know Weird emails now instead of it's a bit easier to ignore those. (laughs) So thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, hopefully this has given lots of inspiration and thoughts to lots of people, um, particularly in this time, to overcome adversity and and keep going.
1: Pleasure, Jenny. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.
0: And I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you want to listen to more of them, then please do follow us in Apple, in Google and on Podbean. Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast. So please do subscribe, follow us, and we look forward to you listening into our next one. Bye, everyone. Who